Hello, everyone, and welcome to FCC Talk. I am your host, John Rose, Children and Family Minister here at First Christian Church. And with me today, I have our guest, CJ Mustin, the student minister here at First Christian Church. CJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, John? I'm doing great. Can't complain. Happy to be here. Happy to get to talking about some uh, Christian news, stuff like that. Of course, always positive, no politics, anything like that. Uh, you know, the best place that where you can just hear good, wholesome conversation. <laughs> so, so we're excited about that. Uh, CJ, I want to just jump right into it because I think we have some awesome topics today and I really want to just dive deep into them. I think you're going to like this first topic a lot because it's about Kara Powell, who I know you enjoy. Uh, this actually comes from a podcast. So if you're somebody who you like to read articles, sorry, this one's more of a podcast <laughs> that I listened to and I felt really, uh, was just really, really interesting. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, CJ. So basically, there's this podcast uh, by Russell Moore, who interviews Kara Powell about Gen Z. And Kara Powell talks about how there were the nuns, there were the duns, and now they're the ums. So if you don't know what those mean, basically what those mean are the nuns who said, we have no affiliation with religion, we have no spirituality, basically agnostic, atheist type of, of people who just say we have nothing, uh, who were previously involved in church. Then the duns were the well, we were involved in church. We're just completely done with it now. We, you know, there's not a question in our mind. We're just done with it. We want nothing to do with it. And now Kara is talking about how Gen Z is, is starting the future of the ums, which are more about, you know, less about like, oh, I'm disregarding God. I'm disregarding religion and more about like, well, I don't really know much about God. I don't really m know much about religion because they kind of grew up in this crazy time where it wasn't exactly taught to them because they were being raised by nuns and duns. And conveniently, it rhymes. So, CJ, my question to you, in student ministry, obviously, you're working with, you know, 6th through 12th graders. So, uh, kind of the, the uh, Gen Z amount of people right there. Have you experienced a lot of what Kara talks about with students being the ums? I would say uh, in the climate that we're in here in Brazil and the students that come to our student ministry, I've not experienced a whole lot of that, that culture. Uh, but I think that that's only because <clears throat> of working inside the church and most of the students that come being from families that attend church somewhere. Uh, I would say that when I step into like on Thursday mornings, we go to the middle school. I would say that I experience that a whole lot more. Uh, and when you step out into just the general public, when you're walking through Walmart, uh, when you have conversations with people that are that are out and about, I think you will experience that a whole lot more. So inside the ministry, not so much when we have students invite their friends. I do see that. Um, but, but outside the ministry, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's very interesting. Uh, that's not something I thought about with you being, you know, in the school and then also here in the church with the ministry that kind of happens here. Um, and I know this question's a bit off topic from what I had written down for you, but what would you say is the biggest difference between trying to minister to kids more in a secular setting like the middle school and the difference of ministering to them here at the ministry uh, here that we have at church? 
Well, I think uh, at its core, uh, the what all the students need, whether they are churched or unchurched, is the exact same. Um, I think they just need love and acceptance. Um, I think for for generations, there's been this um, kind of like keep everybody in line and uh, like not that it's bad to stay in line, but almost like a forceful keep in line. And this has caused uh, some distrust and uh, feelings of rejection. And so I think that, uh, and and for everybody, just this feeling that, man, they're loved, they're accepted, they're valuable. Um, I think that's, that's the main thing. Um, but especially when you step outside of the church and you're dealing with students that come from more rough situations, that um, that teaching of man, you are valuable no matter what people say. Um, that's that's super super important, and just helping them experience that themselves the way that God sees them. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think if you asked even adults today, you know, what would you rather, you know, your workplace value the rules or you know personal uh, acceptance and love for who you are. I think most people would say, yeah, I'd rather my, you know, workplace focus more on, you know, loving who I am and accepting, you know, uh, the who I am as a worker and the things that I bring to the table rather than trying to fit me into a little box and say, here's your job, here's your role, now go do it. We don't care if you're good at it or not or if these are your gifts right. or what you can accomplish. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, that that's kind of what we all want, right? We Absolutely. All want... And go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. Uh, and when we experience that, when we experience that love and acceptance and that culture of feeling valued, uh, we we obey the rules. We go above and beyond. We're willing to step out um, and and um, do the things that need to be done. And so I think that's that's really valuable for for students coming up, especially. For sure. Yeah. And that was actually uh, along the lines of what I was going to say next is like. You know, I always tell people that kids don't thrive, you know, at least in my ministry, kids don't thrive when you throw a bunch of rules at them and say, do this, do that, do this. You know, uh, kids thrive when they have a relationship with you, when you show that they that you care about them. And, you know, it's kind of like the thing of like, you know, you, you don't want you don't want your parents to tell you they're disappointed in you. Right. It's like I can handle my parents being mad at me but I don't want them to be disappointed in me. It's because you have a relationship with them because you care about them. And because that's more personal than like, Oh, you broke the rules um, to say like, Oh, well you, you know, I I'm disappointed because I know you're better than this, or I know you can do better than this uh, because it makes it, it makes it more personal. That kind of leads into what my next question was, CJ, is is what is most important for parents and other adults, just maybe in the church in general, to know about Gen C's skepticism about Christianity and the church? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I would say the most important thing to know about the skepticism that happens is that we cannot approach students with uh, scripture or with rules the way that we have always done it. I think it's so, so vitally important that we have to understand that they, ha they have not experienced the love of Christ necessarily the way that 
that you may have felt the love of Christ. And so you have to kind of go all the way back to the beginning. And it seems kind of counterintuitive because, you know, for if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s, um, then then you were like, all right, it's scripture and you get right to the point and you follow the rules and you do the right things and you don't do the wrong things. Um, and I, I think that that worked for that time. But I think that with the skepticism in scripture and the skepticism in the church, we have to go all the way back to the beginning and they have to experience the the truth that they are valuable and they are loved. If they don't feel that, they're not going to listen to anything we say. Um, and so, so uh, maybe a little bit more leniency on how we address rule following. Uh, not to say that we shouldn't hold to those rules, but how we address setting boundaries and how we address holding to those boundaries uh, is really, really important. And that goes back to, instead of just saying, you got to follow the rules, it goes back to uh, explaining why and showing care and and still showing them value as a person. It's not, I'm an adult, you're a student, you're going to listen to me. It's, we are two people, we're going to come together and you are loved by Christ and I am loved by Christ. And so let's talk this through. Let's figure something out here. Um, and I think that that's that's super, super important that we take a step all the way back to the beginning because they've got to feel loved. They've got to feel uh, valuable. Um, they've got to feel like, yeah, Jesus came because he thought I was valuable enough to come for. I think that's super important. Oh, for sure. And I think, I think the common misconception that sometimes people can have when they hear conversations like this is, you know, oh, well, you just don't care about the rules. And, uh, no, I don't think that's the situation at all. I think it comes down to uh, we're not putting rules first. We're putting personal relationships and value of a person first and then recognizing that following rules will come after that, right? That we're not yes. going to introduce ourselves and say, here's the rules of my life, right? <laughs> when I introduce myself right. to somebody, I say, I have a wife. I have two beautiful children. Uh, you know, I work at a church. I, I, I tell them about uh, personally who I am. I don't go up to them and say, uh, here's the things I approve and disapprove of in my life, right? Right. Um, and that's not what Jesus did either. When Jesus met exactly. people, uh, he healed them. He he talked to them. I look at the woman at the well as one of the greatest indications of, of who we should be when we meet new people and we're trying to share Christ with them. Uh, Jesus yes. did eventually end up sharing Christ himself uh, with, with the woman at the well by telling her who he was. But at the end of the day, how did that conversation start? That conversation started just a personal, uh, you know, a relationship of trying to get to know each other, trying to figure out each other uh, more, and then kind of getting into that, you know, who Jesus is. And really, when he was saying who he was, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> do these rules. It's this is who I am, and I want you to know me, uh, me being Jesus uh, in that situation. So I think that's very Absolutely. profound. and. And interesting to think about. Any more thoughts on that before we move on, CJ? Well, and he, I, I think you're exactly right. And even when Jesus said, go and leave your life of sin, uh, I, I think it wasn't a, hey, follow the rules, go leave your life of sin. It was that it was all unwrapped in this idea of, hey, I, I, there's a better way to live and I care about you. I want the best for you. Let me show you a better way. And it, it wasn't so much follow the rules. It was, hey, uh, you know, you're valuable enough to, to live this life that I created you to live. 
And I think sometimes we miss that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure we could get into a much longer discussion about what is sin. Is it rules or is it actually connection with God? Right. We can get into that. Right. Maybe that's a topic for another uh, another FCC talk because that sounds like a long one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's get into our next one. So this one, uh, it, it kind of segues from our current conversation. Um, if you know Hillsong Church, the former global pastor of Hillsong Church, Brian Houston, has posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, that he is starting a new online church that he will be leading. So obviously, uh, Brian Houston had some trouble uh, when he was still working at Hillsong. He had uh, some allegations of of hiding some you know, sexual content that wasn't best and how he was inappropriate with other women and um, just, just basically his leadership uh, as a whole. Uh, and most people would probably call it moral, morally flawed or moral failures. Um, so CJ, obviously Brian Houston has not been out of ministry for all that long. I think it's been maybe a year or two, something like that. Um, so my question to you is how do you respond when these, you know, mega pastors, mega preachers, whatever you want to call them. How do you respond when morally flawed church leaders uh, want to come back into ministry? How do you respond and how should we as the church, in your mind, uh, respond to those type of situations? Man, that's a great question again. Um, I would say that um, I don't know. I don't know how I would respond. Uh, my heart breaks for them. And so, um, uh, and a lot of how we view what happened is viewed from, um, from a, like a 10,000 foot up. We obviously don't know their heart. We don't know, um, where they're at. And so like, when I think about, uh, you know, two pastors that had a moral failure that, that struggled. There may be one pastor that is completely ready to step back into ministry. Uh, and they are intentionally working on the things that they struggle with and they've, uh, you know, apologized and made it right. And they're, they're growing and they're, they're working. Um, and by all means, man, I say that person is completely hundred percent ready. God is using them step back into ministry. Uh, and then on the other side, there's another pastor that, uh, you know, maybe is not necessarily uh, uh, working on things. Um, they're, they just want to be in ministry because that's what they do. Um, then I would say that pastor is probably not ready. But from where I sit, uh, I can't judge that. Um, I don't know where they stand. And so I think the people closest to them could probably judge that. And, uh, you know, the, the people that are a part of their family or go to their church could, could make a judgment call on that. Uh, but I, I don't really feel comfortable necessarily making a judgment call. Oftentimes my thing is my heart just breaks for them. Um, and, and I pray, uh, for, for them and their, their struggles and, um, and that God would continue to, to use them in whatever way. Uh, he wants to use them. So I know I'm kind of riding the fence on that one and uh, sitting right in the middle, but that's kind of, it's kind of my, my take on things. No, I get it, man. It's definitely a difficult question. And I don't know if there's one side or another 
you can take um, on any of these things because they are so personal with people, right? And we want to be a black and white society to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is what you should do, this is what you should not do, kind of like those rules we were talking about, right? Uh, but in reality, you're, you're, you're exactly right. We have to know the person's heart. And I've never met Brian Houston. I went to one uh, conference where he spoke, and so I guess I sat, I don't know, you know, what, 40 yards from him when I was, you know, in the, in the audience. So maybe that's as, as close as I'll ever get to him. But, um, but that, that's the difficult part nowadays with trying to do church only online or trying to, uh, join only an online community, uh, of faith believers and stuff like that is, I don't know if you ever truly get to know somebody's heart and who they are. Um, in those situations. Now, I'm not knocking online ministry. I'm not knocking, you know, what we do live streaming here or anything like that. I think all of that is valuable and good. But I do think when your only form of going to church or whatever it might be is just watching an online video and never interacting with the preacher, never interacting with anybody who goes to that church or anything like that, um, then it just makes it very, very difficult to understand who the person is, who they are, uh, what their heart is, those different kinds of things like you were talking about. Um, and so I'm with you. I don't think I could judge Brian Houston because I don't know Brian Houston. Um, and we've t- talked about it on other episodes where we talk about celebrities coming to faith. I I think it's great, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know that person. I don't know what their heart is. I don't know what their motivations are. And so I'm going to support them, but at the end of the day, I'm also going to be a little bit skeptical and not completely throw my faith and my trust in that person. So, um, CJ, that kind of leads into my next question, which is how do you personally balance not being judgmental, but also being responsible with who you allow to teach you biblical truth, whether it's a preacher, whether it's somebody who, who has an online video that has some kind of you know course or something like that. How do you personally balance not being judgmental, but also being responsible about who you allow to teach you biblical truth? Uh, here, here's what it comes down to. Uh, for me, is that um, I take a lot of things in, and there is not one person uh, that I will agree with 100% at the time. And so uh, when I hear someone teach, preach, when I'm reading a book, listening to a podcast, uh, I I take that with the understanding that God is going to say some things to me, uh, and God is going to uh, speak through that person in some form or fashion. Um, and so what I do is I take what they say and I run it through my filter of, uh, what, what the Bible says and what I've been taught and kind of what God is revealing to me in my own life. Uh, but then I also take that and have discussions with other people. You know, I, I talk with my wife about tons of stuff and uh and she has really uh impacted my thought process and god has used her uh to to allow me to to think about and and be more uh critical i guess i would say um and and be more thoughtful about what people say um she is really good at uh taking stuff in and considering it 
whereas I just kind of like soak everything up. And so I've really tried to work on being more, not judgmental, but just critically thinking about what I'm hearing and then uh, pairing that with the Bible, with what God is speaking into my own life currently, and then also what other people say. Uh, And then bouncing that stuff, like I said, off my wife, off our small group, off other people and uh, and just kind of seeing, hey, you know, God is saying these same things to me over and over and over and uh, and saying he might, he might be talking here. Um, so that's kind of what I do and how I handle it. Um, and, you know, there's there's people that I uh, I agree mostly with and there's people that I disagree mostly with. Uh, but I'm I'm a firm believer that uh, nearly everybody uh has something that can be said to me that God can use to speak into my heart and into my mind that can, can impact me and help me grow, grow in a relationship with him. So how about you, man? Oh, no, I I think, I think you hit it on the head there. I think you, you're right that, you know, no one person, you know, should we look at as like, you know, the main source of truth of everything, right? The only complete 100% source of truth is God. Um, other people can, you know, interpret scripture and try to figure things out. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if somebody doesn't have a thought that comes directly from scripture, um, yes, we can consider that, but we should never, you know, say, oh, 100% certainty, uh, that person is completely right. And I don't need to study anything else on it, uh, in those ways. Uh, but I think you're, you're also exactly right about, you know, having conversations about what we learn and what we take in. Uh, that's something that we do here in the office at church that I don't think people realize sometimes is just how well me, you, Chris, Dan, um, and even Megan and Shaylee, how well we can work together on things with, you know, just conversations about like, Hey, Hey, did you hear when this happened and conversing about it? that's actually one of the motivations of why I started FCC talk is because I thought, well, we're conversing about these things anyway. We might as well put mm-hmm. it on a podcast. Uh, and because I don't want to just sit here with my phone and, you know, record Chris talking, uh, that wouldn't be the best podcast in the world. But if we can sit down and have some of these conversations, I think it's really, really cool uh, to listen to. Um, and for, for listeners out there, if you ever hear us talk about something and you want to converse about it, I think that's perfect as well. I would love to hear your thoughts on what we discuss. Um, and like CJ said, you don't have to agree with 100% of everything we're saying. That's kind of the point. As a staff, we don't always agree with everything. I mean, we can, uh, we can pick out a scripture verse as a staff and uh, we may have different thoughts on the interpretations of that verse. And that's okay. You know, that's uh, that's the beauty of God is he's so, so deep that, um, we're not all going to agree and that's all right. We can still be a family and love each other. Yeah, for sure. And Chris has talked about this, I think a few months ago where he talked about like the essential beliefs, right? Um, you know, like the circle of, you know, salvation, uh, those different kinds of things. Uh, Jesus saves us, God created, you know, Jesus is God, that kind of stuff. Those are kind of like the essential beliefs of things we need to believe in. But there's also, as you create more beliefs, you know, there's stuff that more and more and more, um, like I had a friend in college who, I forget exactly what it was, but it was something about uh, the geography of where Jesus was traveling <laughs> in one of the, in one of uh, the, the gospels. And he told me, he said, Oh no, it wouldn't make sense that Jesus was there. He's actually, you know, here. And I was like, well, I mean, it says in scripture, he's right here. I don't 
you know, I don't get what you're saying. And he's like, no, 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 you have to read deeper than that. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And he was like, no, we have to agree on this. And I was like, we really don't have to. Like, it's it's okay. And he was like, no, like, you, you're not interpreting interpreting scripture correctly if you don't agree with me on this. And I was like, okay, um, sure, whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, because, like, in my mind, it's like, this isn't the biggest deal in the world. And I'm not going to let it affect my friendship uh, with him. And so, mm-hmm. you know. I, I guess you could say I lied. I don't know. I don't really think it was a lie because I was just like, okay, if you think that, that's great. You know, I, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to let that turn into some kind of argument because it's like, it really doesn't matter that much <laughs> at the end of the day. So, okay. So our final topic is that 22% of Americans, so this is not global. This is national. This is just in America. 22% of Americans identify as spiritual but not religious. So CJ, in this situation, we have seen that nearly a quarter of Americans view themselves as spiritual, but not religious, which means they feel like, or they believe there is something higher out there. There is something uh, that maybe created the world that maybe lives in the spiritual realm. We know about it. We don't know about it. There's something out there, but they are not attaching it to any kind of religion. You know, there's, they, they are not a part of Christianity uh, Mormonism, whatever, whatever there might be, Muslim, you know, they they don't relate it to any sort of religion. There's just something out there. So CJ, my first question to you on this one is religious seems to mean someone who is a part of a religious community. What do you think causes people to have a negative connotation about religion? I think, um, a lot of it goes back to what we were talking about with, the the rule following. Um, and I think we've come to a place where, uh, we've elevated rules, uh, above relationships and that has caused a rift in relationships, which has caused people to turn away and distrust, um, religious institutions. And so, I mean, you have the, the extremist in every religion that, uh, that make everybody else in those religions look awful. Uh, and I think that's really what has happened in our world, uh, is that, that we've elevated rules above relationship and that's, that's caused a lot of distrust and, uh, and we've got to work hard to, to gain that trust back. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, uh, by reading the article and just hearing people expand a little bit more on the situation, um, that does seem to be kind of what they're getting at. Um, one person was quoted saying, I know God is real, but I don't know, uh, who follows him best. Um, and there was another quote by somebody I'm looking for it, but basically it was saying that, um, I believe that God makes us a better person, but I don't think religion encourages us to be better people. Um, and so it's one of those situations where it's, it's almost like they're critical. Maybe it is completely like they're critical of who uh, these communities have become because they don't think that they're following God or whoever it might be correctly, which I don't think is totally inaccurate. Um, I think that, you know, the church has failed over time. I think the church has also done a lot of good, uh, but in our lives and, and on social media, the news, I mean, they're much more likely to point out the bad things rather than the good things, which makes, you know, the bad things the church has done uh, more prevalent than maybe some of the good things that, pers- that church has done. 
Uh, so CJ, my other question for you is what can we as Christians do to help show people that our religion or churches, whatever it might be, does not cause division and tolerance, those kind of things. It actually does help people come and be better people and come closer to God. And it goes all the way back to what we've been talking about this whole time about relationships, about the way Jesus treated the woman at the well. Um, you know, Jesus, there were so many reasons that Jesus should have completely ignored that woman. Uh, you know, cultural, um, lifestyle choices, so many reasons that he should have either ignored her or been like, you're not living right. Let me point this out. He, that's not the way he treated her. Um, and I think we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to in our own circles of influence being those people. Um, and, and really, uh, when I say circles of influence, there's, there's two big circles that I'm talking about. One is the immediate people that you are around every day. And I think for the most part, we do an okay job with those people. Like they're people that we relate to people that we see on a consistent basis and, we can be build relationships with those people. But then there's the other circle and it's the circle of people that just kind of ping into our circle quickly and then ping back out. A lot of that happens on social media. Uh, a lot of that happens in just casual walks down a grocery store or uh, sitting down at a restaurant and a waiter or waitress you'll never ever see again. Um, and it's in those situations that I think that we seem harsh. It's in those situations where we feel um, we feel comfortable voicing our opinions and our preferences or our frustrations when maybe we should not be expressing those things. Uh, because what happens is someone pings into our circle for just a moment and they see a post on social media and they immediately ping back out and they've built distrust with the church. Someone pings into our circle at a restaurant for just a moment and we just rip them a new one and they immediately ping back out and they've seen us pray before our meal and they know, oh my goodness, like they build distrust. And so it's that wider circle that I think we've really, really, really have to be intentional with to make sure that in every person that we come into contact with, they are, they are seeing us and saying, ah, there's something about that person. Um, and so we got to be intentional with our social media posts. We got to be intentional with when we're walking through the grocery store. Uh, we got to be intentional with, um, when we're sitting down at a restaurant, the way we interact with our waiters and waitresses. Uh, I was a waiter and, um, in college and, uh, the worst crowd was the Christians on Sunday afternoon. Everybody hated them. Everybody. I mean, they were the worst tippers. They were the most angry. They were the most frustrated and it just, I mean, the distrust of Christians in uh, that Texas roadhouse was through the roof. Um, and so we've got to work on changing that uh, with the people we're closest to. But, but I think even more so with that, that larger group that just pings in and then pings back out. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's uh, really, really good insight, and uh, it's sad to hear that. Um, I had a friend who was also uh, a wait. Well, she was a waitress in uh, in college, and she would tell us stories about how uh, her and the other waiters and waitresses would almost not take bets, but almost like try to guess uh, were they going to pray before their meal or not. And she said that most times they would be able to get it right, uh, not because they acted, you know. Uh, happy or anything like that, but that they would most likely come in and have some type of, um, you know, poor attitude or, you know, maybe not be joyful or anything like that. And they'd say, yep, this group's about to pray. Um, and that's tough because it does, it does seem like, you know, if you're a Christian, you're always under a microscope from, uh, from communities. Um, but at the end of the day, just, it's kind of how it is. You know, I don't want to make excuses for it. I don't want to say that it doesn't happen because um, I think you and I as ministers, CJ, we can attest that, you know, you're kind of always under a microscope. How are you going to act? What are you going to do? Um, and, and is it going to be a good representation of the church or um, uh, of other people? Uh, and that can sometimes be difficult to deal with, um, but it's the reality of what it is. And it's not fair. It's not something that, you know, you asked to happen or anything like that, but it's just kind of the reality of, of what it is, is that sometimes people have a disdain for their church and they're going to be looking for things to be upset about more than they are things that that they're going to enjoy. Do you have any thoughts on, um, you know, Christians and, and kind of our perception and, and the weight that we hold of other people kind of silently judging us out in the community and stuff like that? Well, I think, uh, we should be under a microscope, you know, it means that people are looking at us and searching for what we have. Uh, if we weren't under a microscope and people weren't, uh, looking at us, then we would just kind of be, you know, the Jesus movement would have died out. Um, and so I think that's a, uh, you know, it has the good and the bad with it, but I think, uh, in the end, um, you know, that's, that's the way, I, that's the way it is. And I, I think that's probably the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, it's a great opportunity to, to show the love of Christ for sure. That's what I was going to say. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to show the love of Christ and to show people that, Hey, if you had a bad experience with somebody who, you know, is involved in a faith community or a church or a Christian or something like that, I'm going to use this opportunity to show you that they're not all like that. And that there are others out there who, or maybe they are just having a bad day or something like that, uh, show you true, uh, Christ-like behavior and those kind of things. So, all right, CJ, I want to thank you for coming in today and being a part of FCC Talk. I want to thank you all for listening. Like I said, uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, you can comment them. You can uh, catch us on Sunday at church. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, this will probably, I don't know, we'll see you next week. Uh, this will probably be our last FCC Talk episode of the year just because I won't be working next Thursday and I uh, think a lot of people are out for that and then the week after that so you might not get another FCC talk until 2024 so if that happens happy new year merry christmas have a great rest of your year I hope you have a very merry christmas enjoy the time with friends and family and I hope to see you at one of our christmas eve services any other thoughts CJ I I I agree come to christmas eve have a Merry Christmas and, and we'll see you uh, hopefully at one of our services. Very good. All right. Thanks for coming in, CJ. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.